Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This weekly radio program is brought to you by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We now invite you to stay tuned for our message this morning. Welcome, listening friends, to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. I'm Elder Joe Nettles. Thank you for joining us. I also welcome you on behalf of my good and dear friend and ministerial partner in this effort, and that's Elder David Wise. We invite you to Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, located at 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi. We also welcome you uh, vigorously, fervently, to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, located at 11 Staten Road near Ackerman, Mississippi. And we also uh, heartily invite you to visit a sweet group of people uh, over at Clear Springs Primitive Baptist Church, located at 55 Tahoe Road, Mabin, Mississippi. We also invite you to go to gospel-of-grace.com and avail yourselves of the archived messages and all of the many resources that we offer you there at that website. Also, if you have an opportunity, please contact us. Let us know that you're listening. It really does mean very much, and we would appreciate hearing from you, whether it be positive or negative, uh, whether it be affirmation or questions, whatever the case may be, we would love to hear from you. Today, we're going to carry on with a series of messages that I've been bringing to you on my time slots. And that is regarding some of the statements of nevertheless in the word of God. And uh, right after this wonderful hymn, we'll be right back with today's message. Thank you so much, my friends, for staying tuned with us here at the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. I appreciate you listening. I hope you're a return listener. And if you're a first-time listener, we hope that you'll feel compelled of the Spirit of God to listen in again, that we can grow together in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, via this radio broadcast. I'd like to continue on with a series of messages regarding a wonderful word in Scripture, and that being, nevertheless. Nevertheless, when it's used in speech or writing, it introduces a factual conclusion, a truth, but it does so even after describing seemingly insurmountable factors in the same context, which would normally lead you to conclude the very opposite was true. Nevertheless, deals with irony. It flips a rational conclusion whoop, on its head. 
It makes an impetuous judge, one who is quick to judge, quick to judge a situation and make assumptions. It makes that impetuous judge of a situation feel silly. You know, when dreadful things are described so that only a dreadful assumption is made regarding the reality of a given situation, ah, a nevertheless statement can with one fell swoop tear the frame out from under it and can deliver you to a wonderful, unexpected reality. That's what we see throughout the Word of God. Now, if you wanted to use nevertheless, uh, see it used in some quotes. I've got a couple here, one from Napoleon Bonaparte. Napoleon stated, How many things apparently impossible have nevertheless been performed by resolute men who had no alternative but death? Apparently impossible things? Well, that's a negative. But he says, Men are able, resolute men are able to overcome that which is seemingly impossible when they see that the only other alternative is death. It's amazing what people can do when they feel the right compulsion to do it. A political quote by Thomas Sowell, a wonderful commentator, uh, brilliant man. Uh, he quoted, now this one is kind of goes from the uh, positive to the negative. He quotes, he states, most people who read, read, excuse me, most people who read the Communist Manifesto probably have no idea that it was written by a couple of young men who had never worked a day in their lives. Now, you know, that would be a good thing. I, I would assume being a conservative, being one who is, believes in a free market economy as taught in the word of God, I would think that a positive thing because obviously if two men who had never worked a day in their lives came out with a manifesto trying to represent the working class and trying to posit themselves as some kind of authority uh, for leading working people, even though they'd never worked a day in their life, that it would be laughable. Well, Brother Sowell goes on and says, and who nevertheless spoke boldly in the name of, quote, the workers. You see, people took these people as authorities for the workers to represent the workers, even though these people had never worked a day in their lives. And that is irrational, is it not? That's atypical. That's not what you would assume would be the case, but yet this world is very, very strange. Now, if you'll turn with me to Psalm 89 in the Old Testament, today's nevertheless statement uh, deals with the faithfulness of God in performing and doing that, which men assume he would never do. Okay, And again, we see many statements like this. But this one is regarding God's faithfulness to save his people with whom he has covenant bond. That means a covenant has been made, uh, an agreement. God is always yea and amen. That means his word is truly his bond, as ours should be. But certainly God is. He does not, There in him is no variableness nor shadow of turning. It is impossible for God to lie according to the word of God. Uh, Titus chapter 1 verse 2 says, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. So therefore, God has made covenant. It is shocking to us, just mortal men who live and move and have our being down here in this mortal world in which we live. It's shocking to us at how far God will go to keep the covenant promises that he has made. We go to Psalm 89 verse 27. And here... In the immediate context, we see that God is writing, uh, inspiring a psalm to be written regarding God's faithfulness to the promises he made to David. 
But if you read this psalm, my friends, just as the ancient Jews did and just as Christians always have, when you read it, it becomes very obvious that this is not just referring to a king who lived thousands of years ago who had a son named Solomon and who came after a king named Saul, the literal King David of the Old Testament. No, this is speaking of the greater David, ultimately, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the true king of glory. A covenant being made in him before the foundation of the world between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, that an innumerable number of people would be redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. So I want you to keep that in mind as we read Psalm 89 and think about the depth of these promises. And then we're going to also see the depth of the depravity of God's people covered by this covenant can reach unto or can descend unto. All right, Psalm 89, verse 27. Also, I will make him my firstborn, higher than the kings of the earth. My mercy will I keep for him forevermore, and my covenant shall stand fast with him. His seed also will I make to endure forever, and his throne as the days of heaven. Now, we know the literal throne upon which the king was seated, and I'm giving you this as an aside. We know that the literal throne upon which David sat uh, that throne uh, remained absent for a long time. It was not filled uh, uh, until the days of the coming of Jesus Christ. But here he says, his seed also will I make to endure forever and his throne as the days of heaven. If his children forsake my law and walk not in my judgments. Oh my goodness. This is painting a terrible picture. Here you see a God that thinks so highly of this king that he'll make his seed to endure forever. And he's a merciful God. He's a God who's made promise. But yet here it describes this seed under consideration. It's describing a very negative situation regarding the depravity of man. He says, if, they, if his children forsake my law and walk not in my judgments. Here those children have cast away the law and they refuse to walk in the paths of righteousness. Here they're walking in rebellion. Verse 31, if they break my statutes and keep not my commandments, then will I visit their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. Now, there were a few times when I was growing up that James Ray Nettles, my dad, gave me whoopings that were so bad that I thought I would die before it was over with. Thank God I did not. But if you would ask me my conclusion at that time, feeling that rod, that fly swat, or that leather belt on my backside, I thought, oh yes, death is imminent. There's no way around this. Well, when you see the description here of a God who's so good, of a God who is so devoted, who is so holy and high and righteous and wonderful as our God is, but then these people who he's made promise to, man, if they turn around and break his statutes, if they thumb their nose at him, if they walk rebelliously, Obviously, we rationally, thinking of just a, by just a natural mind, would say there's no way he would keep his promises to these uh, stiff-necked and gainsaying people. But yet, verse 33 is a beautiful nevertheless statement. Here, the frame is going to be torn out from under our feeble assumptions about God being as we are. Because, my friends, our God is far greater than we are. His ways are above our ways as high as the heavens are above the earth. That's our God that we're here to worship. Verse 33, nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. 
My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. Once have I sworn by my holiness that I will not lie unto David. His seed shall endure forever, and his throne as the sun before me. It shall be established forever as the moon, and as a faithful witness in heaven, Selah. You see, friends, notice the wording there. All the description there earlier is if they, the seed, break the statutes, if they uh, cast away his, his commandments and his statutes, if they uh, do these things, then I will visit their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. God is saying, I will punish them. I will chastise them. I will beat them as it were. Now, obviously God could, if he wanted to reach down with a hand from heaven with a switch and whoop us all. And I'll tell you what, many days I figure maybe that's exactly what he ought to do. But again, I'm not God. Obviously he's speaking of spiritual conviction of nights that are kept awake uh, the eyes failing sleep because of a broken heart, because of a grieving spirit over the sin, sin and the sinfulness that besets us all. Uh, maybe we've done something rebellious or we've done something exceptionally wicked and we know that we've offended our God. We're feeling that chastening rod. It breaks our hearts. It makes our bones ache. It makes our mind very weary. It makes tears readily come. It makes our knees to tremble and our teeth to chatter. You see, that, my friends, is the chastening rod of God. Now, he will do that to his children. He said to the they, the them, I will do that. But will he utterly destroy them? No, because notice the promise, the covenant, was not made depending on the actions of the they and the them. The promise, the covenant, my friends, was dependent upon the actions of the he, him, Jesus Christ, the King David, the greater David, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Nevertheless, my, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from them? No, from him, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. Once have I sworn by my holiness that I will not lie unto them. No, he says unto David. You can insert there, Jesus his seed shall endure forever and his throne as the sun before me. And what a blessed result of the faithfulness of God when his seed endures forever and his throne endures as the sun before him, it shall be established forever as the moon and as a faithful witness in heaven regarding who? Us. We are the wonderful, blessed recipients of a promise-keeping God, of a covenant-loving God. Oh, uh, that nevertheless is amazing. Do you see what he's saying there, my friends? What's being taught here as well as other places in the word of God is that the Lord will save his people even if it runs contrary to every uh, typical thought of man, every rational thought of man, every emotional thought of man. All of those things are torn asunder and cast aside under the glory of our covenant-keeping God. You see, my friends, salvation isn't primarily for our good. Oh, we are well affected. We are well blessed in eternal life being in, bestowed upon us uh, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But my friends, first and foremost, everything uh, in this universe and beyond, it glorifies God. It is for the lifting up of his purpose and of his will and of his wisdom and of his counsel. And all of us, my friends, live lives uh, not just to thumb our lapels and say, oh, I'm saved because I did this. No, my friends, if we are to declare anything about our salvation, it is to the honor and the glory and the lifting up and the exaltation of God on high. 
that he by his grace and his unfailing uh, love and covenant has saved us in spite of ourselves. Oh, what a God we have. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 16 through 19. We're going to see another nevertheless statement that teaches the exact same thing that we just covered in Psalm 89. We're going to see it here now in the inspired language uh, of the Apostle Paul to Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 16. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Here, what is being built up here? A very negative situation. Oh, through vain babblings and profanity, uh, there are two men, Hymenaeus and Philetus, who uh, their word is eating as a canker. That means as a, as a corrupting sore, as a gangrenous wound. That's rotting, that's thinking, that's decay among God's people where they should be thriving on the word of God. Here they've been fed lies and unfortunately they've believed it and Hymenaeus and Philetus have been like a, a, a stinking canker among them and caused them uh, caused them harm. They've, they've gone away from the straight and narrow way that leadeth unto life and here they've wandered off onto the broad way that leadeth to destruction. He said of these men concerning the truth they've erred saying that the resurrection is past already. They've lied. They, they're telling people that there is no future resurrection. The only resurrection that has been was when Jesus came up out of the grave and those people in Jerusalem came up after his resurrection, came up from the graves. And my friends, they're saying that this is the only resurrection. There is no other resurrection. And what a dreadful thought that is to a believer and a truster in Jesus Christ, that there is no resurrection day, that Jesus is not going to come back. He's not going to raise us and our loved ones' bodies out of the grave and glorify them and lift them up into heaven to be joined again with their souls and spirits where they may in whole sanctification live with the Lord forever uh, being sanctified by his presence and his perfect glory that would be a dreadful thing to believe and unfortunately a lot of God's children were deceived into believing it because what he said another negative thing he overthrew the faith of some let me tell you something my friends faith is a fruit of the spirit you can't have the faith under consideration here unless you have the spirit. And you don't have the spirit in the sense unless you've been spiritually born. If you've been spiritually born, you can never feel the lick of the flame of hell. Heaven will be your home because you've already received the spirit of adoption and the Lord doesn't cast away his children. But yet, my friends, it overthrew the faith, turned it upside down, turned it on its head, made it ineffective. But oh, notice that's a dreadful, horrible, heartbreaking situation because if you were just left with that, you would think, well, there is no other conclusion I can come to than that these people who've believed this cankerous, rotten, lying, filthy doctrine, who have followed these fools, Hymenaeus and Philetus, and they've, their faith, uh, which used to be perceived as strong and faithful and grounded now, it's just overturned and it's just made the whole church situation that they were committed to seem silly in the eyes of outward observers. Oh, you would just lead to believe these people are going to bust hell wide open. There's just no other conclusion you could come to. But friends, again, don't let your assumptions make a fool out of you. 
Uh, you, you know, the old saying at school, you know what assume means. I'm not going to go any further. You've probably heard that. But don't assume yet. Just keep on reading, my friends. Uh, verse 19, nevertheless. Oh, there's that wonderful word. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. These, their faith has been overturned. That evidence and power that they have while they dwell here during this time world has been overturned. Uh, it wasn't a, you know, it's not a, an, an unmovable foundation. Though that faith can never be extracted from us because it's planted in the the heart through the spirit birth, there could come a time when we can flee and we could run the other direction and not be faithful and we can fail uh, in our discipleship. Oh, my friends, I've experienced it in my own heart and mind. But we're not talking about, my friends, our salvation is not built upon our faith. Our faith is not in our faith. Our faith is in a much greater foundation. And that foundation, he said, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. Now, what is this sure foundation? What is this that standeth sure, that cannot be crumbled, that cannot be overturned, uh, having this seal? That means it's official. It's a authorized. It is determined before the world ever began from heavenly portals, my friends, and it will remain throughout eternity future. What is it? What is this foundation that is so much greater than even our faith that falters and waxes and wanes? What is this wonderful foundation, this unfailing foundation that standeth sure? What is the seal? What does it say? The Lord knoweth them that are his. You see, if somebody's faith is overturned, if they walk away from Christ, see, uh, you know, my knowledge may be shaken on that situation. I, I've known people very intimately who have claimed a belief in Jesus Christ, and then they turned away and became apostate. Well, should I automatically assume that person's going to bust hell wide open? Well, I will say this. My boldness and belief, my affection uh, and, and my strength of belief that they've received uh, the new birth is certainly diminished. It can't help but be diminished, full of doubts and fears and wonderings about their state, that they would turn away from such a wonderful Savior Yes, my foundation may be shaken a little bit, the foundation of my conclusions and my mind and my heart. But I'm going to tell you what, we're not talking about my foundation. We're talking about the foundation of God that stands sure having this seal. And that is the Lord knoweth them that are his. That knowledge never changes. He, he wrote those names in the Lamb's book of life written before the foundation of the world and never has a name been removed from that book. Because those names, my friend, are on a covenant, a covenant ratified by the blood of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the merits of that covenant have been applied through the medium of the Holy Spirit of God sovereignly, and the wind blowing where it listeth. And thou hearest the sound thereof, and knoweth not whence it cometh, neither whether it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit of God. You ain't helped him, you ain't allowed him, and you can't frustrate him in that redemptive, saving work. He says, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Because the Lord knows them that are his, let us have our confidence in the Lord. And let's just carry on and do the best we can. If you're going to fail, you know what? Just repent, fall at the feet of the cross one more time. And I'm telling you, our Lord is right and just uh, to hear us, our prayers, and to forgive us of our sins. But I'm going to tell you what, my friends. If we never consciously fell down and prayed for forgiveness for a certain sin, it can never change that that sin was paid for in full by Jesus Christ hanging on the cross. 
Case closed. Oh, brothers and sisters, our Lord's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Look at the characters in the word of God that man would assume there's no hope of salvation for. In the days of Christ, there was a centurion, a soldier who was a Roman, a heathen, a Gentile. And in Matthew chapter 8, verse 10, Jesus, hearing his expression of faith, said, When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. You know what? John the Baptist was in Israel. I'll tell you what, I, you know, bless his heart, he, he was called the greatest prophet that ever lived. But here, seemingly, Jesus Christ is saying, even the faith of John the Baptist is not like this centurion's faith. You can read about the faith of John the Baptist. It was greatly shaken when he was down in that prison facing death. He sent his disciples out to ask Christ, are you the one we seek for or should we seek another? Here he's saying this centurion, this uneducated, a man who's never been in the synagogue, a man who's never been in the temple, a man who's never been evangelized, so to speak, hear his faith that Jesus is the answer to his problems was so wonderful that even Jesus himself said, no, I've not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. Oh, my friends, that's a Gentile woman of faith, Syrophoenician woman, Matthew 15, 28, after expressing faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, this woman who is outside of the covenant commonwealth blessings of Israel, Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole, whole from that very hour. Friends, I want you to understand, you may have some family members that uh, maybe died, and according to your sense, they were good people, good-hearted people. Uh, they were fair-minded people. They were people that would bend over backwards to help somebody, but they never made, as far as you know, a public profession of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, is that person automatically in heaven? I don't know that. But again, the Lord knoweth them that are his. I can have confidence in the Lord. And I don't have to walk around with a sad face thinking that all the people that I've ever had doubts and fears and wonderings about are automatically of necessity busting and burning in hell simply because I never saw the state of their spirit and heart. But I'm telling you what, my friends, there is one who is able to see the very inner being of man. And if it's good and if it's fruitful in any wit and to any measure, it's because the Lord knows I put it there through my spirit. This child is mine. I'm so thankful to be a primitive Baptist and believe what the Bible teaches about the covenant-keeping God of Israel. Oh, my friends, remember these neverthelesses. The Bible's full of them. You go and let the Bible brag on God and you rejoice in it. And until we're able to bring these things to your mind again, may the grace of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be with you all specially. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. 
to find a Primitive Baptist Church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find further contact information, you can visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com. You can also find our program on iTunes under podcast entitled The Gospel of Grace, a primitive radio broadcast. If you listen and enjoy our program, we would love to hear from you. You may contact us by email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road, on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. We would love for you to come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We invite you to tune in again next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus.